Welcome to the Glee Man's Apprentice, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your Glee Man, Twish Avery. And I am his apprentice, Mandy Cat. Cat has already read the first four books of the series, there are always potential spoilers up through the Shadow Rising. And after that, I'll be reading the rest of the books for the very first time with my Glee Man, Twitch. Welcome back to the Glee Man's Apprentice. Uh, I am, of course, your Glee Man Twitch, joined with uh, my apprentice as always. How are you doing, Mandy Cat? Doing good. Awesome. And today we have a special guest to go through these two very entertaining chapters with us uh, from several of the Discord servers. Uh, most of you probably already know him. Uh, Skeeterish, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing quite well, thank you. Awesome. We're excited to have you here. So today we are doing chapters 15 and 16, Into the Doorway and Leave Takings. You want to go ahead and start us off with your uh, man with your cat notes? Yeah, and Skeeterish, please pop in at any time, but we, I'll just dive in. Chapter 15, Into the Doorway. Uh, and this must be one of Twitch's favorite chapters i'm guessing uh i i love mats <laughs> i I'm, I'm a mat stan so um any mat chapters tends to be my favorite chapters <laughs> right at least while i'm reading it yeah. yeah yeah so it opens in matt's perspective he's a has a lamp he's deep in the belly of the stone and he's thinking through a replay of his words to a glean not unless my life depended on it i promise will burn me if it doesn't and he's passing by rotted doors, exactly as Egwene described. Even sees a rat skittering past, and I'm hoping it's not a spy rat. It didn't stop and stare at him or anything. Then he kicks the final door to the great hold. So our buddy Matt is on his way to that stoneway Tarangriel. The doorway, yeah. Yeah, he takes note of thick dust. There's some stereotypical male thoughts that he surprised Nynaeve didn't dust while she was down there because women like to clean. <laughs> okay. Obviously. But yeah, why didn't <laughs> that, that, oh, was, okay. that was an unfortunate writing choice, I, I feel like. <laughs> unfortunate, but also humorous. I, I guess I can even just see it. Matt's just an idiot, so it's fine. <laughs> um, That's fair. He does see a lot of footsteps in the dust, including boots, but he just assumes Nynaeve recruited men to help them with their work. And I'm like, fair, fair assumption, actually. I mean, maybe. 
Well, and uh, I believe I believe he specifically thinks naive is always finding uh, work for men, especially if they look like they're having a good time, right? Uh, yeah, she probably found some people that were relaxing and enjoying themselves. <laughs> yeah. You look too relaxed. Come help me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Matt finds that strange and twisted red stone doorway and he even pokes at it to see if it will fall and it doesn't. He, and then he even checks for hanging wires above it and those don't exist either, but he's just reassured, okay, it's not going to topple over while I'm inside. But he's also a bit surprised he's actually going through with this. So I don't think he fully made up his mind till this moment. <sighs> Um, Twitch, how would you describe this door? Like, what are you picturing? Because I know it says it's twisted, but it's still a doorway. So, you know how they describe the the stone dream ring? How it, like, twists, but there's not really ever any connection, or there doesn't really seem to be any seam? That's kind of how I've always pictured this doorway as well. It's just, it's, it's just kind of like a, a constant spiral up. And I... That's just how I've always read it. Um, I'm sure other people read it differently. Skeeter, uh, is that kind of uh, how you Yeah, know? yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I think RJ leaves it a little bit vague and a little bit up to our imaginations here to a degree. But yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, that kind of Mobius strip effect Yeah, uh, that, that comes with the, the terrain reel that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. And then there's not really any, like, corners either the way they – the way he describes it is almost like an arched doorway is how I've always pictured it. Okay. But. Okay. Uh, Matt takes in more details and thinks it's pretty dull, but he does see three sinuous lines, which I'm assuming you can ask three questions in there. That's probably what it represents. Um, but he doesn't think anything of it beyond it's less fancy detail than he's seen in farmhouses. Okay. And he goes for it. He wishes himself luck and steps right through the doorway and it's, he hears a loud sound of all the sounds in the world and walks through this intense bright light and is in an instant transported to a really strange large hall. Um, up to you Twitch if you want to add more details but basically the ceiling is so high you can't see the top there's twisted vine columns uh, the stone Terangreal doorway is in the middle of this room. Yeah and, and he There's goes on one white floor tile. So I don't know. When I try to picture it, I actually would feel sick. So no, no, no. this is too much for me. That's that's very fair, especially um I mean I might be jumping ahead slightly, but he also like there's no straight lines other mm -hmm. than the floor. Everything so I just kind of picture everything's like almost like a fish tank or like a bubble, but but like warped. Like a fun house, you know? It, yeah, yeah. It's a very trippy image, so I, I completely respect you for not really wanting to picture it too much. Oh, man. Um, and this is the point where all he hears is a long time. And it's this voice. It spooks Matt. And, and he's, I don't think he spies what's talking to him at first, but then the voice goes on um, asking more details. Did you follow the protocol? No iron or instruments of music, no torches or lamps per the agreement. It's like whatever this agreement of old is, none of us or Matt really knows about. And at last, the figure steps out of the shadows and it appears human, yet not human. I think it's described barefoot, but in body entirely covered in yellow cloths, 
tooth in for its height with straight black hair and a strangely elongated face and skin like snake scales. Right? Yes. It's like intense. Yep. And I think it even has, does it have slits for pupils? Yes. Yep. Yes. Vertical slit pupils. And, and yep. I mean, when I first read this, Twitch did tell me, oh, you met the snaky people. So like it was easy for me to just start calling them the snaky people. I don't know if either of you had any comments from when you first read about them, but it's just really tall, awkward guy who's just kind of like looming over poor Matt. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I pictured uh, uh, snaky type people. Um, I read this before the abominations, which were the episodes one through three of Star Wars came out. Um, but in I think episode two or three, I can't remember which one. Um, they go to the the planet. It's two, right? It's it's the what was it? Attack of the Clones. Um, mm -hmm where they they go to the planet where they make the clones and i don't know if you've seen that mandy oh yeah vaguely i watched those episodes um so like the 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 aliens that are on this planet are like they're kind of snakeish but they have like gold skin so i kind of when i saw that i was like oh i wonder if whoever came up with these had read robert jordan because it, it seemed very similar to me in that aspect um, the skin was off. There were there were several details that didn't match my headcanon, but as far as like I can't really think of anything else. Maybe, maybe like Voldemort's face. Right. I mean, do you have a better comparison, Skeeter? Uh, no, that's uh, those are both pretty apt. Like the the aliens from um the the Clone Wars, or maybe it's uh the last one when Obi Wan goes back to there. But it, anyways. They're not quite right. They're a little too long yeah. for me. So they didn't quite match perfectly, but they definitely had a lot of similar characteristics. And that's kind of what I imagine. It's basically humanoid, but a little smoother and a little longer in, you know, dimensions. And, you know, kind of maybe a little gangly is maybe how I pictured it. The, the, the part that I've always had a really hard time imagining, and I've seen some fan art that's, uh, that's been excellent. I, I can't remember the author or the, the artist, but uh, um, I have a hard time picturing the black hair on it. To me, what, what I'm imagining, it should almost be just like smooth, you know what I mean? Like, so, but there's like a, a jet of black hair slicked back, you know? So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's the part that I always have a kind of a, a tougher time with, um, at least in my head, but anyways, okay. enough rambling. Okay. Well, the figure asks again about iron instruments of music. Matt says he has none. Um, and he keeps catching himself from asking, like, why are you so concerned about Because he's very aware. I only get three questions. So I'm like, good job, Matt. Way, way to catch yourself just in case this is one of those, like, genie in the bottle trap. <laughs> question. Um, so the figure says, according to the agreement, follow. Leads Matt out of the room. And this is what Twitch was alluding to, like, even as they go through the hallways, they're curved. There's no straight lines. Way too confusing to be following physics. He notes there's no pictures, just shapes on the walls. No other men um, except his guide, albeit sometimes in the corner of his eyes, he thinks he sees movement. But whenever he looks, he doesn't catch anything. Um, really interesting comparison as he like he's noticing large plants outside and twisted towers. And... 
it's this really interesting observation. He saw this tower to the left and then they round several corners and then suddenly it's on his right side in a way that it's absolutely not possible. They didn't turn enough ways to have gone around. I don't know. That's trippy. It's another like my stomach's getting twisted just thinking about it. Um, I would yeah. not have fun in this fun house. <laughs> right, right. And that always, it reminded me of like a MC Escher thing or something where, yeah, things just don't quite line up right, which, and there are several other related things that happen in the Wheel of Time that are similar, yeah. like like the ways you've been in the ways before, for instance, like yes. the way that things are below, and but it doesn't quite add up or match up and there's not the sports there that you expected it, it's almost like that that mc escher painting uh stairs i think it's titled mm -hmm. the stairs don't, yeah. yeah yeah right no I, only I, if I, everything I, was round and like no straight lines yeah yeah exactly no, well I, I was talking about the ways but no you're right like oh, oh yeah, yeah also uh mc escher also toyed with like um you know curve curvatures and stuff like that you know in, in his in his art so that was a very right. apt comparison i appreciate that all right sorry go ahead oh yeah yeah so um matt manages to not ask that he <laughs> hopes he's being led to the correct room and at that point the guide is like here and it's just a round door twice the size of any matt has seen and at the same time the guy the guide is taking these large breaths around matt like like almost panting in a way and it's just like Ooh, this is creepy is he like enjoying Matt's scent or something. Um, Matt pauses right before he enters and looks back to the guy, but the guy's already disappeared. So this other hint, how do these things just, you know, come out of nowhere, essentially. Um, there's a comment about the rank smell is described to be more of a nuisance because he noticed a smell when he came to this world and it's worse here. And so he steps inside, it's another domed room, this time red and white. Um, the other one I think was yellow and white, more spiraling floor tiles. And in the middle, there's three twisted pedestals and Matt can't fathom. How do you get on top of these unless you climb up these like twists? But there's already three folks, just like his guide, sitting atop each cross-legged. And he observes one is masculine and two are more feminine, but they all sound the same. They sound just like the guide and their comments are, it has been very long, very long, yet they come again. Um, which first read through, assuming yet they come again, it's just like, okay, people are coming again. So it's probably been a while since people use this Toronto girl, makes sense. It's been in the uh, hold away from, I guess, the larger public. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, and maybe, maybe you remember uh, better than I do, um, but I think they had said, am I jumping ahead? Um, didn't we get a uh, description earlier about this doorway for more rain, about how uh, the the first of Mayans mm -hmm. always used it? Yeah, we did get that already. And um, they used it to, you know, hold back tear, basically, or that's kind of what everybody assumed. And I think it's been about 300 years uh, yeah, since, right. since the um, a certain first of May, and he had used the doorway and then he gave it to Tyr as a gift to, you know, keep them from trying to assassinate him and take over Mayan. And then he would have just hit it in the hold, right? So if it's frequently 
Good, and yeah. the Terrans would have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Terrans, yeah, the Terrans just put everything down there that has to do with power to keep it, you know, yeah, away because they hate everything to do or, with or they everything they even think has to do with the power because they just don't like it. That's why this is a dusty old storeroom. Yep, exactly. They stick it down there and they forget about it. You can't see it; it doesn't exist, right? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. So this part of the chapter gets really intense. Um, I split it up trying to just get as close as possible to what are the questions, what are the answers. You guys can jump in as much as I forgot to add details. But it starts off with these snaky people saying, enter and ask according to the agreement of old. So question one, Matt asks, should I go home and help my people? Their answer, you must go to Ruidian. Uh, interlude, a sonorous bell sounds and fills the room and the snaky people make these odd comments. He is another, the strain, the saver, it has been long. There's time, ask, ask. So they, they're just pushing him to keep asking. But of course, Matt's pissed about Ruidian. Therefore, question two, why should I? So, so Matt's, I can very, very directly relate to Matt right now. He is, he is trying so hard to be self-aware and self-conscious of what he's saying something that he's probably not used to doing and he's expecting a like yes or no answer about uh should he go home to to fight for his people and it just derails him just like that and i i so get it and it's so related i'm like oh here we go every time i read it i'm like damn it yeah yeah he's got his notes he's trying to be so careful he he did actually prepare for the test and the first question just threw him off and off he goes. Yeah. Right. Like instead of social studies, turns out it's science test. <laughs> right. Great. So being pissed. Yeah. He does the automatic. Well, why should I go there? Answer. If you do not go to Rudian, you will die. Interlude. Another bell sound, this time shaking Matt in his boots, and he notices the three, three figures look anxious, and here's what they say. The strain, it is too great. The savor of him, it has been so very long. The strain is too great. Too great, ask, ask. And I'll pause there, because I'm pretty sure first read-through, they keep talking about the savor, and I was like, are they going to eat him or is the agreement that they can't eat them you know that was what was going through my mind just because they keep commenting on the saber yeah so um but otherwise yeah it just keeps going through he knocks out question three swearing burn your soul for a craven heart why will i die if i do not go to ruidian answer you will have sidestepped the threat of fate left your fate to drift on the winds of time and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled that sounds pretty accurate to what we know of all the like dark friends and forsaken forsaken yeah okay interlude snaky people are now telling matt you must go the yellow clad guide suddenly appears at matt's side matt's having a hissy fit saying i won't go i was led from the questions i wanted to ask and he demands to know what fate they are talking about. And another bell sounds. Matt is instructed to go before it's too late. And out of nowhere, there's dozen, a dozen yellow clad men grabbing at him. But bonus question four, Matt keeps asking, what 
fate. Bonus answers. To marry the daughter of the nine moons. To die and live again and live once more a part of what was. To give up half the light of the world. To save the world. Go to Ruidian, son of battles. Trickster, gambler. That's intense. So I love it. Bonus question and bonus answers. Because he was... He got he got three bonus answers because they yeah. all answered something differently. So we have to talk about it a little bit, right? Yeah. What do you think uh, marrying the daughter of the nine moons means? Do you have any idea who that might be at this point in the story? Um, first read through, no. Second read through, the nine moons or the court of the nine moons was brought up, was it not by this? Was it the sea folk or the Sianchen or something? Somewhere around there. Okay. So I hope it's not related to the Sianchen, but Yigwin keeps having dreams of Matt and the Sianchen. So Okay. Something yeah. about that. I, I love it. It's it's f those fucking Sianchen, right? I don't like them. <laughs> Sorry, oh. Sigrish, if you're a big fan. Not who's who's a big fan of the Sianchen? <laughs> Right? It, it, wasn't it Morgan that said, no, nobody likes the fucking Sanchin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I appreciate them as part of the story. Um, but no, the Sanchin are fucking horrible. Okay, to die and live again and live once more a part of what was. So I remember enough of my first 22. I know where some of that's coming from. Okay. Um, but... I also just kind of, I always have this feeling because Matt knows the old tongue. It seems to me it's very possible he was someone in the past, kind of some of random was who's there. And okay. so I still have this theory. What if Matt was someone? What if he was, you know, king of Manetherin or a, because um, they called him son of battles. So I'm like, oh, maybe he was a yeah. army guy. Not that he strikes me as an army guy in this uh, current life. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Okay. To, this is the funnest one. To give up half the light of the world to save the world. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. This one, this one I stared at and I was like, I don't know. Is Rand considered the light of the world? Does he have to give up half his friendship with Rand? I don't know. Oh. And I'm working. How do you quantify that? What? Because that. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm giving up my ability to. I don't know, support you on these topics, but I'll still be there for these topics. I don't know. But okay. have these in a friendship. Okay. Um, I don't, I literally don't know, Twitch. I don't know if it's even literal. Is there literally a light somewhere and I'm not remembering? I, um, it's, I, I, I think it's safe to assume that it might be metaphorical. I, that's kind of how I always read it, but it might be literal. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, th this has the cadence of prophecy. We hear a lot of things that are uh, right. just use some kind of placeholder words that could mean assorted different things. Yes. It'd be something really specific and literal. Like, it, it feels like to marry the daughter of the nine moons is a pretty specific literal thing. Yes. Half the light of the world to save the world. That that feels more vague, but yeah, yeah, that's the, that that feels more metaphorical. That's, mm -hmm. but it could be something specific we just haven't learned about yet. We could still be eight books out before knowing how that one plays out. That is so true. 
Yeah. So I guess the only connection I'd have is Rand seems to be a hope, which I am equating to a light, but it still doesn't make sense. How are you giving up half of Rand? Unless Rand has a dark half back to like that Star Wars theory, right? Maybe uh, uh, <laughs> spoilers for Fight Club. You've seen Fight Club, right? It's been a long time, but yeah. Maybe, maybe he has to kill the Tyler Durden uh, side of, of Rand. Oh, to save no. the world. <laughs> I do like this is they call them trickster and gambler, but I don't know if I've heard him referred to as son of battle. So that was new for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, which again, I'm like, he doesn't strike me as like a fighter, but okay, I'll go with it. Right. I, do, I also think it's interesting to note there. I don't know if it means anything or if you have any thoughts on this, Mandy, but like, Everything seems, or there seem to be a lot of things revolving around the number three here. You get three questions, he gets three answers, he gets kind of three bonus answers, and he's named three times there, like separately by them Son of Battles, Trickster, Gambler. Yeah. And often I'm just thinking, like, um, like I, I travel in Peru several times, and like their natives would be, you know, there's three levels. There's under the earth, the earth, the sky, but it's also kind of back to the past, present, future. I don't know. It's very, yep. it is interesting. Not, I mean, I'm trying to think if any of these would be, some of battles could be the past, but he's still present tense, trickster and gambler. So, <laughs> yep. that. but yeah. And there were three wise ones. It wasn't just one wise person giving them three answers. Three creepy <laughs> three creepy sneaky oh and they were like when they were screaming that they were like standing on top of their pedestals which i thought fun detail like they're getting really upset in a way just like yelling at them yeah they're creepy but they've got excellent balance and they are wise you got to give them that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and they, they did fall down right they yep. didn't kick them out even, but Granted, I was he still got more. The trickster in him still got more out of it. He kept whining, "What fate?" I was listening to this chapter earlier today in the car while I was running some errands, and I kept thinking. And I'm not sure if I've ever thought this on uh, all my previous rereads, but I kept thinking, he by by demanding a fourth answer, he was kind of breaking the treaty. So technically, within their rights, according to the treaty, they. They could have offed him, or yeah, ate you, him, or yet exactly like they. I mean, he kind of broke the treaty, so they didn't really. So the fact that he got out there, out of there, is pretty lucky. And I mean, we know that Matt is pretty lucky, but still, I kept thinking that today. I was like, why didn't they just fucking kill him? <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that's not the punishment for violating the treaty. You know. Yeah. Maybe he'll just start bleeding from weird places for a while. <laughs> You never know. Oh. And, and I mean, this is an intense scene, and I'll just keep reading like that. The next, whatever I was calling it, interludes, but the gongs keep sounding at least twice more. The yellow, the dozen yellow men drag Matt forcibly and shove him through the stone doorway. Um, repeat yeah, they, the white light, loud noise. But they were really anxious, right? They were just like, "Get out of here!" Yeah, no, they 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 bodily pick him up and run him right. through the, you know, the where 86, get out and, yeah. and toss him. Yeah. And he is not happy about it. Like he's screaming the whole time and doesn't find any of this fair, but yeah, it's, 
a reverse of the loud noise white light and he's suddenly tumbling through the dark room under the stone so he's back but he's still mad that he was forcibly removed so he runs through the doorway again <laughs> only to remain in the great hold so he tries again <laughs> and runs through still in the hold this time almost knocking down his lamp but he catches it just in time but sort of feels like his luck may be running out so he has just enough time he's thinking what happened in there and why can't why isn't the taranga working anymore but actually does have a like small acknowledgement okay i don't know what just happened or what transpired at all he's starting to think how those snaky people had been afraid almost like the roof would fall on their heads and then he has this moment well it kind of was because every time the bells sounded that it was almost like the room was starting to shake right um, okay, hold on, hold on. I just stopped the recording. Um, I didn't. I didn't mean to. I was going to stop you um, in the next ten or fifteen seconds, but I accidentally clicked it. So we can go. Sorry. Oh, Matt is just thinking through what they told him. He doesn't want to go near the waste, let alone Ruidian, and he'd rather marry a pig than a noble woman because that's what the daughter of the mind <laughs> like. You know, typical Matt stuff. It is kind of funny. Well, yeah, he's, he's thinking, I want to be old when I get married. I want to have fun right now. I don't want to get married right now. I'm early 20s. I get it. Oh, yeah. He's like hogwash. And he's actually doing his best to convince himself. This is all, you know, I can't believe any of this. But then he's also like, but it was a real place. And then he's looking at the doorway and he spies a black boot coming out backward. And in comes... <laughs> Rand holding his fiery sword, and before Rand puts out his sword, we see a troubled face. So, right, can I pause Rand you for happened. just a quick second? Oh, yeah, okay. So, I, I just wanted to add to that last little uh scene. One of the things that strikes me more and more as I read it is how like cinematically perfect that is to me. Like, I have a hard time picturing the redstone, uh rail doorway you know a little bit like some of the details of that elude me but the part where matt is just pissed off and just rams his way back through the doorway and then ah damn it and you know turns around and tries again like that is so vivid to me the concept of him just and his frustration and, and we get his inner monologue here so it'll be interesting to see how that is done cinematically but like a lot of how that scene is depicted just so clicked for me it was the easiest bit for me to imagine is yeah this guy just taking out his frustration and ah burn you you tricked me and running back and forth and things well and now that we actually have an actor for uh uh for matt and i mean we have for quite a while now for over a year um it's 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 really easy to picture Barney Harris <laughs> yeah, yeah. doing that. You know, I mean I haven't seen a lot of of his previous work, but just just the pictures that I've seen and the little little clips and, and small, you know, shorts that I've seen with him in, I can totally picture Barney Harris doing that, you know, back and mm-hmm. forth through the so I'm I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, that seems like a good one if they kept that in the TV show, just how mad he is running back and forth. And of course, as readers, we know you can use it once, but that's not a detail a green told them. But yeah, what do you do? Matt's just trying to figure it out the way he figures stuff out <laughs> impulsively. Yeah, so then the right, next so. part is essentially Rand's coming out of the same Tarangram. So Rand had been in there at the same time as him. 
And that goes back to when the creepy crawly people said uh, another one, or they were saying they come again. No, literally, it was a plural they. Well, and they specifically said he um, when he came through the the first time. He isn't the woman on the left whispered the strain, the strain. So yeah, they specifically knew that like another male was in there. So right, I mean, I felt like it was a little bit vague. Like I still even just rereading it recently, it was like yeah, but they could be talking third person about the person right in front of them. They're creepy yeah. snakes. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, and we don't really know what their motivation is. Yeah, no, yeah. I get it. Um. So Rand is just asking, well, Matt, you hear this snooping around or did you go through as well? And Matt starts venting. Yeah, I went through. Did you see those snake-like people? And he's trying to get reassurance from Rand that Rand also thinks them liars, but Rand disagrees and is kind of thoughtful, just saying they were afraid of me from the get-go and it got worse as the bells were tolling, but my sword kept them away from him. And we don't really get any details of what else went on around but that's pretty intense they yep. were afraid of him <laughs> so all right and then then they're interrupted at and then comes through the Tehran girl and it's moraine <laughs> weaving sneaky world but she's pissed <laughs> am i late for the party oh you assholes okay actually right before she starts talking matt has this automatic thought She'd be a fine one to dance with, but she wasn't an Aes Sedai. Even after being in this creepy, crawly, sneaky world with really disturbing information thrown at him, still thinks she's hot. Oh, well, I mean, okay, so so once again, we this is very par for the course, uh, Matt, right? He's constantly thinking about how uh, if only, like, no one was, after what happened, um, you know, in chapter two with the cards coming to life, no one wanted to be around. The High Lords were were ignoring him. And yet Moraine was constantly there every time he turned around. And was constantly annoyed. And now here she is. And his first thought is, oh, God, she's so hot. But I fucking hate her. I don't <laughs> if yeah. only she knew who she was, but looked like how she is, you know. Um, yeah, and Twitch, if you want to read on the bottom of 255, just how unimpressed Moraine is to see them. <laughs> you? You were both in there? That is why she made a vexed hiss. One of you would have been bad enough, but two to Varen at once? You might have torn the connection entirely and been trapped there. Wretched boys playing with things you do not know the danger of. Perrin. Is Perrin in there? Did he share your exploit? Do you want me to keep going or? I mean, I just think that's a great summary. We, we don't need too much more. Matt basically immediately defends Perrin, right? Exactly. And, and, then, and then she goes on to say, um, uh, at least you escaped with your lives. Who told you of this? Which one of them? I will make her wish I peeled off her hide like a glove. A book told me, Rand said calmly. And then I think, it, okay, and then she gets to Matt. And you? Did you read it in a book too? You? <laughs> and he's just like, I, I read sometimes. Come on. <laughs> I've seen but. books before, all right. 
but luckily uh uh he he kind of is able to escape actually direct you know directly answering her question of who told you yeah she clearly knows it was probably a green or naive or elaine like 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 the three girls she knew it was one of the one of the girls and she's fucking pissed and wants their hide yeah and but and i think it is important though we learned that was really dangerous so now we know why they were so anxious it's probably because there were two tehran girl men at the same time uh, two Tavarian men yeah oh yeah see Tavarian men well um, and 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 then um you add in a, a very powerful ace of die yeah like that's we, true. We, we've gotten the note that that uh Sawan and Moraine are like the most powerful ace of die that the tower had seen in the hundreds of years and now they're only you know, eclipsed by by uh, Elaine, Nynaeve, and Egwene. So, so I mean, so yeah, you you throw two Tavarin and an extremely powerful Ace of I am sure that whatever's going on in this in this uh, other world, otherworldly place, it, it 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 it's probably sensitive to like things that have something to do with the power or the pattern, right? Right. And all three of these things are happening at once or within close proximity to each other. Three people at the same time. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's another three. But then that also means there must have been different rooms with different wise people, right? Not that they were wise, but they had answers. Well, I mean, it's it, it's completely dependent on how you view this place that they're in. I I always felt like it was not necessarily smaller, but more compact than what they yeah. show. I, I I always kind of had the feeling that they, and I might be I might be erring on this one, but I always had the feeling that it took so long to get to the to the you know to the circle circular mm -hmm. meeting place with the three wise ones, but it always seemed to me that it took a lot less time to get Matt out. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, which kind of made me feel like they were able to manipulate space and make it seem like 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 it was going forever, or maybe like go a, a roundabout way. I support that theory. I I mean, I even felt that way when Matt saw the same thing, even though it was just about the weird physics of it. But he still saw the same uh, outside thing outside the windows. It did seem like they're still passing by. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Um, All right. Just the chapter has a few more parts to it. So Moraine asked them, what answers did you get? And Rand reveals, well, I needed a translator and I understood most of it. And then Moraine says, yeah, they speak a harsh dialect of the old tongue. So of course, readers are going, oh, Matt, you and that old tongue. However, out loud, Matt denies understanding anything or getting any answers. And no, Moraine does not believe him, but doesn't. <laughs> the old tongue? Is that what it was? They didn't, they didn't give me an interpreter. In fact, I never got to ask any questions. That bell started shaking the, the walls down, and they hustled me out like I was tracking cow manure on the rugs. <laughs> <laughs> Matt changes topic to asking about the snaky people. What are they getting out of this arrangement? And Moraine answers, sensations emotions experiences and basically that's why 
all of them kind of felt creepy crawly. Kind of their skin just got the creeps around these people. Um, and she even intends to shower afterwards just because they were literally savoring whatever, oh. however you savor sensations, emotions, experiences. Yeah, no, they, 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 they were, uh, they were essentially just eating every emotion, you know, and, um, uh, she, she says the people that, you know, the, the old Aes Sedai that had studied this train girl in the past always talked about wanting to shower and I certainly intend to as soon as I leave here, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I, I imagine having somebody like search your feelings and emotions and then eat them. That that's gotta be uncomfortable, uncomfortable, <laughs> I'd say. Right. Um, and if we know part of their motivation, part of what they're getting out of it, at least that kind of explains why they're uh, potentially explains at least why they were like, maybe messed up to have all of this going on at once you know yeah from from, from the snake people's perspective like we've been starving for 300 years now we just got the banquet in front of us right now like right from to die and these two taverian and yep right uh, from famine to munch on at, at one time from famine to feast all within you know 30 minutes of each other ah. I'm full. I'm tuckered out. <laughs> I, I could knock this whole universe down, apparently. The savor, the savor, the strain, the strain. Oh, I love it. I love I, I, I love it. I love this chapter. I love the fact that he throws in these otherworldly type creatures just almost just to fuck with our brains. I mean. <laughs> and Maureen does say it. The answers given are true as long as the questioner asks about their own future and she theorizes their world is folded in a way the creatures can read the thread of human life in the pattern. Um, however, the answers may ob be obscure. So Marine again offers her services in translating, um, but of course is denied and she doesn't share her own answers for the record. Rand takes leave from the Great Hold after telling Matt she doesn't have all the answers, including, of course, why he can only go through the strong girl once. Rand asks Matt then, after she leaves, if he found what he wanted, which Matt just asks the same thing back to him, neither actually answering the other. Um, Matt does clarify with Rand his plans not to go to the two rivers. And basically, it describes Rand talking in a pained voice that Perrin will do what he what must be done, and Rand will do what he must do, or more than two rivers will fall. Yep. Um, yep. Perrin will do what he has to do to save Emmons Field, and I must do what I have to, or more than Emmons Field will fall, and two worse than the White Cloaks. God, what's worse than the White Cloaks? Uh, dark bubbles. Oh, bubbles of evil. Bubbles of evil. Um, I don't know how much it's worth theorizing about Snakey World, but I did. I forgot to ask. Like, there are strict rules. No, no instruments of music. No iron. Right? It's like okay. Does that no. have to do with that searching for the song with the Tuathan people, or you know? Oh. We're going to get a bit more in this book because there is some very standout to me chapters I haven't forgotten, but mm -hmm. music seems important, but apparently not for snaky people. Oh, okay. 
All right. Um, anything else that we want to cover from that uh, from that chapter? I don't know. Anything stand out to you, Skeeterish, when you read it, or that we missed? Um, the other, the only other thought that I had, the only other note I had on it that uh, I think kind of relates to what I was talking about about the cinematic presentation at least in my head of him running back and forth through the doorway we talked a little uh, earlier on about uh the some of the thoughts that we get from matt inside his head like some of the unfortunately sexist comments that he has and whatnot but one thing that i do love about this chapter and being in matt's head in general and what made him a favorite for me fairly early on when we finally started getting perspectives from him anyways was that sense of humor and he like even if there's this sexism here he has the same thoughts when we're in his head about himself and about ran and parent you know like the other people that he's interacting with tom it happens a lot or oh yeah this old guy you know he can't keep up or, or whatever happens to be going on in that situation so while it's kind of like we, we get a lot of humor of him that is deprecating others it's and, and we tend to hone in on those sexist comments and things like yeah. that it's pretty evenly spread like he's a very mutual like i'm gonna make fun of everybody and uh myself included in well in this way and uh and it's fun and funny to me for the most part there are some things that go over the line and that haven't aged well but yeah um for me matt is is uh i mean let's be honest he he obviously has adhd um and uh he's he's very compulsive he's uh um but he and he's also very self-deprecating so he but like this is all within his head his actions often contradict what he thinks he's going to do you know what i mean like he's he's mm -hmm. constantly thinking like i would never do that i would never you know risk my neck i would never you know and then he is constantly finding himself like like in book two with uh or or no book three um when him and tom are in the in the uh stable and illusor comes in and gets attacked by tamuz and the other assholes from the illuminators guild and matt's like god fucking it would be ridiculous Stupid to be to try, involved yeah, in this to, but to try and save her Here he goes, he's like literally swinging on and a jumping rope down like he's he's thinking no one would save this girl as he's saving this girl you know so we we were constantly it took me a roundabout way to get there but he's constantly contradicting like what he's thinking to what he does and that's why i think he's very very compulsive and and uh mm -hmm. and and i relate to him and i just i i absolutely adore him yeah and and that's what part part of what makes him fun and funny to read as a character is that that contradiction is a good comedy device that RJ uses really well here. Yes, and yeah. I think that little note he had though about women should be cleaning was intended for humor. I, I feel like that was just RJ saying, "Here's how Matt views the world." Yeah, Matt. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and, and I'm from his little corner of the world. That's kind of how society was, you know? So, um, but, uh, uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. So we can go on. Go on. Chapter 16, leave taking, which is funny when I, I don't know why leave takings. I think of leaf takings, like literally at least, but that's not, that's not <laughs> I, I think we've had a, uh, either a leave taking or a leave takings before well we've had both actually oh. we had leave taking singular in the first book that was yeah. early on first left Eamon's fit Emmons field and I think it was in book two we also had a leaves takings yeah. but I don't remember which thing that they were leaving and or where they were going to or who it was but yeah th this is the third chapter of more or less that name i will know I, I i thought we got one in the dragon reborn when uh when they're leaving uh was it jara the town where perrin uh saved gaul and then fail <laughs> jumps on that could be i could have that backwards between two I, I might be wrong i might be wrong as yeah. well i can't remember exactly but anyway anyways this this is at least the third time we've gotten this this title in some sort of uh rendition so right starts off in parents perspective waking up a bit sore reviewing his nightmares because white folks had been killing fail and or himself throughout his nightmarish night Perrin leaves his room walking through the hallway sees the majeur and her liveried armor of servants removing every sign of the stone second violation um I like the description. Just a lighter patch of stone here and there where a bloody rug had been removed. You know, a couple corners split on the chest. Maybe a few torn tapestries from swords. The Majir gives Perrin an infinitesimal curtsy. But she's the exact same way with High Lords. I just, I like that description. I think cabins on Saturdays. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. She's there. She's all business. It's, we're cleaning up. Get out of our way. <sighs> Do our job. Yeah. So Perrin arrives to Loyal's giant ogre room, and we finally get to hear Loyal's <laughs> voice saying, Come in. A voice like a slow avalanche, another lovely description. Um, I summarize this so, Twitch, you can catch any details I might have left out. But basically, quick description of the room everything is ogre sized, so Loyal looks normal ish. Perrin sees flowers everywhere. And I have to admit, even on the second read through, I thought nothing of that because it just seems like something Loyal would do or enjoy. Well, so so he actually kind of uh, let me see if I can find it really fast. Um, he 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 thinks that it's a little a little weird. Books lay everywhere, and ogre sized chairs. Sorry. Books lay everywhere on ogier sized chairs and the huge bed and the table that stood as high as parents' chest. That was no surprise. But what was a little startling was the flowers. Flowers of every sort in every color, vases of flowers, baskets of them, posies tied with, tied with ribbon and even string, great woven banks of flowers standing about like lengths of a garden wall. Parent has certainly never seen the like inside a room. Their scent filled the air. Yet what really caught his eye was the swollen knot on Loyal's head the size of a man's fist and the heavy limp in Loyal's walk. If Loyal had been hurt too badly to travel, 
so annoying that he's like automatically like, oh no, can you not go? <laughs> like when he first when he first starts that sentence, what he really noticed was the nod in his head and the limp. I'm like, oh, you're concerned about him. But then he's like, oh, if he had been too hurt to travel, I'm gonna be pissed. Fuck uh, you, Karen. <laughs> but Karen does ask, do you need healing? And Loyal just says, oh, no, it's nothing. It won't stop me from writing my book. And there's other people who need more healing than me. Um, but then Fayil steps out saying Loyal is a hero. Um, so the flowers had masked her scent from Perrin. But this is pretty cool. Um, even though she appears pissed at Perrin, here's what she says. It's a really lovely narrative that we learn about Loyal. He gathered as many children as he could and some of their mothers into a large room and held the door alone against Trollocs and Murderall throughout the entire fight. These flowers are from the women of the stone, tokens to honor his steadfast courage, his faithfulness. And she made steadfast and faithfulness crack like whips. So, She's being passive aggressive towards Perrin, but again, readers learn, oh, Loyal, you sweetheart, you saved the children. I, that's, that, I mean, that's not, that's not out of character no. for him. You know, when you read that, you're like, oh, of course he did, but fuck yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're celebrating. And of course, Loyal's like, oh, it was nothing. Children can't defend themselves. But of course, Fayil continues her passive-aggressive spiel, saying, oh, not a woman in the stone wouldn't marry Loyal for his bravery, unbeknowingly hitting that sore spot for Loyal, because he's not ready to get married either, just like Matt. Um, Perrin catches Loyal's moment of anxiety and asks, well, Loyal, have you heard from your ma? Um, Loyal hasn't, but he did run into Lefar, uh, another ogre from Setting Ching Tai. And Lefar said, the elders have named Loyal a runaway, and his mother has picked out a wife for him. Already has Ooh. a bride. Do you think it's, I think it's that, I can't remember her name. In my head, her name is Fiona, only because of Shrek. The pretty, mm. the pretty ogre from, I don't remember what Steading. Steading, Steading Sofu. Yeah. yeah. What was her name? Um, Eris. Her name was Eris. Yeah. Do you yeah. think it's Aerith? Do you think Aerith talked to his mom already? I think it's possible. But don't worry. Oh, you know what? Want to get married? It, so it, it, it would it would make sense because we've met her, and we right. do know that that Robert Jordan tends to introduce us to, you know, characters that you think are insignificant, but then they come back. So. You know, I'm not going to tell you mm -hmm. if it is or not, but it would make sense because we've already met her. She already has a name. So. Um, and in this moment, Fael's just looking confused because she doesn't understand everything about ogre culture. Um, <laughs> and Perrin just goes on and asks Lael for his company to the two rivers, suggesting, you know, your mom won't look for you there. <laughs> But Loyal makes up excuses. He has to continue on with Rand and writing a book with a first-hand narrative about all these adventures. So Perrin becomes more assertive, just saying, Loyal, you're not going to write books once your mom finds you. Yeah. Accurate. But he does say, right, right. I bomb. need you, Loyal, which is, which is sweet. He is saying, like, I need help. 
And he reveals mm-hmm. there's white folks in the two rivers hunting me, but he doesn't give a reason because Karen isn't much of a sharer. Well, I mean, he's 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 pretty ashamed of the fact that he's killed people. He's not proud of it at all. Um, he feels like it was necessary when it happened, but it's, he's still, he, he's carrying a lot of guilt over that. So. Yeah. Um, so parents just begging Loyal, hey, I need to get there in a timely fashion. And I know we could do that through the ways. There must be a way to get Menethrin. I don't know who told him that. It was probably could have been um, Loyal. But, and, and he reminds Loyal, nothing destroys a way gate, right? And so Loyal answers, I want to write of adventures, not have them. But he does agree to guide Perrin because he's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. However, well, Fael ruins the moment. Yes, she does. And yeah, Fael ruins the moment. Here it is. She asks Loyal, <laughs> aren't you forgetting something? <laughs> and I'm just going to summarize it. She really annoys me in the scene, but apparently she's manipulated him, insisting he must show her the ways before going back there with anyone else. And I just think of her as a petty brat. Um, then there's some back and forth parents saying, you're not coming. And Fial saying, yes, I am. And Loyal, even for an ogre's oath. And Perrin calls her out. You're a manipulator. And she actually seems a little bit embarrassed. Um, and it, for the record, I told you not to share so much information, Baron. I'm pretty sure I made a comment in the last chapter. However, Fayol concedes, Baron, you can join me and Loyal if you ask. And of course, Karen flat out refuses, determining, I can follow from a distance. Loyal's not happy with all this, but he also doesn't overturn Fael's stubbornness or um, considerate null and void that she manipulated him into this whole thing. Yeah. So yep. he's keeping his oath. Nope, Karen, he is. Karen just ignores Fael and makes plan to leave today, getting his horse and supplies. At one point saying, Fael is mule-headed and likes playing tricks. I will not dance just so she can laugh. And I think, good for you, Karen. It's manipulation, not love. Well, but it, I mean, I, I, you, you kind of skipped over it. I want to throw back to when when Loyal finally figures out, oh, you want to go see the Two Rivers? That's perfect. You can come with us. That's the, you, you can all come along. And then he's immediately super like confused and, and stunned on what's going on. He's like, parent, just ask her file just let him come what are you guys doing like why are we doing this like and i my heart very much goes out to to loyal in this scene it's like uh. yeah definitely he's just like uh so all the problems i thought we just had clearly solved we yep. can just move on we all have the same goals here and yet and now doesn't get the interplay going on between them because yeah they don't clue him into it in any way. Well, and, and that's just not that that's not Ogier behavior. That's you know, like like that's honestly it's not great human behavior either. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But it is human behavior, and it's not really I mean, we don't know that much about Ogier, but we can assume that this is not something that Ogier do, right? They don't manipulate each other like this. Um and as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about how the mothers choose their 
the their son's wives for them. So <laughs> maybe there's a little <laughs> bit of manipulation going on. Maybe we aren't so different. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, yeah, Loyal does call them hasty humans, which is about as mad as he gets verbally. <laughs> yep. um, so, but yeah. Karen's pissed. He leaves and shuts the door quickly, only to hear something thud against the door, and he believes Kyle threw a book at him, and he's like, "Well, now Loyal will be mad at her for real because don't mess with the book. <laughs> don't mess with the books, right?" Um, but then there's a fun turn of events because Gall approaches Karen in the hall, our ideal friend that Karen saved, right? Yes. Gall says, Randall Thor told some ideal folks about Perrin's upcoming journey to the two rivers, and it could be dangerous, people might die. So, of course, Gall offers to accompany Perrin, and Perrin readily accepts the uh, company. Uh, um, Perrin, I, I, I would like to actually read this, if that's okay. Okay. Um, so, I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead a little bit. He's talking about how uh, uh, Rand came and asked him specifically to... to go with him and he believes that he's asking other Islemen to uh, accompany um, Perrin to the two rivers and Perrin's all of a sudden like for the first time getting like this surge of hope he's like holy shit if I go there with shit 10 men, I have a much better chance of surviving this um, and uh, so he says come with me Rand asked you to come with me to the two rivers Gall shook his head again. He said only that you were going and that there were men who might try to kill you. I mean to accompany you, though, if you will have me. Will I? I will that. We will be into the ways in a few hours. Because I love this part. The ways. Gall's expression did not change, but he did blink. Does that make a difference? Death comes for all men, Perrin. It was hardly a comforting answer. Yeah, I love that. And I'm immediately brought to... George R. R. Martin creating Balar Morgulis. Was it Balar Morgulis? Something for Game of Thrones. Basically, mm -hmm. all men must die. Yep, yep. Oh yep. my gosh. Here's where you got it from. Doll. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, it, it's just that, that, that I'll, I'm pretty sure that somebody in the wall community has created that bumper sticker, Death Comes to Us All. <laughs> yeah. right, I'd be right. shocked if it hasn't been done yet. Um. Yeah. And that's another bit of why this chapter is actually funny. I'm so glad that that Perrin perspective closes with a humorous note, but yeah, I'm really annoyed about the behavior and a lot of the rest of it. But yeah, yeah, that's just so funny to me. Just the fatalist stoicism of the IL. Eh, yeah, okay. I was ready to die this morning. I'll be ready to die tomorrow. So cool. Let's do this. I mean, well, exactly. And it's funny because like, he doesn't blink an eye at the fact that he's going to be accompanying Perrin into a dangerous situation where there are many men who want to kill him. That doesn't bother him at all. <laughs> then Perrin mentions the ways and he's like, he blinks, <laughs> he, he blinks an eye, you know? And he's just like, okay, well, we might not live long enough for you to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so it is direct indication that Gaul knows what the ways are. It wasn't him asking, of "What is this?" It was him just commenting, like, "Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah." Maybe. I think the I, I think the ways, even among the IL ways, I think the IL ways know enough about the wetlands to know the ways, or who knows, there might there might be a way gate 
and uh, and the IO waste. We don't know, but but yeah, I, I think it's safe to assume that they are aware of what the what the ways are and and how they're tainted and what the risks of going into them are. Yeah, it's it, it it's a thing that's a little general knowledge i think in the world if if you're you happen to be in an echelon where this has come up somehow some way like everyone knows it's bad like the forsaken are bad and they suck and they're gonna kill us all <laughs> the ways are bad and they suck and they will kill us all if we if we do that like well so don't I, do it like everyone's semi-aware or, or a lot of people are semi-aware especially if it makes for a good humorous moment well and, and, and i mean let's let's uh uh compare it to this um the wetlanders don't know anything about the IO and the IO waste. Um, and yet, if you said the word Ruidian, they'd be like, oh, isn't that in the IO waste? It, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I, yeah. I think that's how the ways are. It's, it's, it's famous enough that it's crossed the, the, the boundary, you know? Yep. Um, so anyways, I believe we have a perspective change. We do, and I won't lie, the end of this chapter just annoys me. I just, I find it another annoying teen romance section that could be so much improved if they just have clearer communication with their crushes. And sadly, Lan is involved, and I'm not happy that he has to be involved in it. So, perspective change, would you say the Gleen's perspective? It's all three of the women. Um, is it, is it? Egwene's or Elaine's? I kind of you get so, more Elaine thought, I suppose. It's technically Elaine's POV, but okay. I don't think it's. I think maybe RJ hadn't really worked out her internal voice very much at this point, or something, because it's not. You don't really get a sense of her. It's just kind of here's what's going on. Yeah, and here's some of Elaine's thoughts. It's yeah, it's almost like rather than the unreliable uh, narrative that we've gotten so used to. It's almost like a like a third person yeah. um, narrative. Okay. But it's from a, a Elaine's point of view. So it's, it's yes, it's very easy to get confused on whose perspective this is, but I believe it's it's Elaine's. So they're dividing their purses of gold for their upcoming journeys. Rain had given them chit-chatting about Rand and leaving, and Elaine's not satisfied with the goodbye. They had feeling like she was actually relieved she was leaving. Um, and of course, readers can guess why he's relieved, but she's just in puppy love of like, well, shouldn't he miss me? So Nynaeve comments, well, men are difficult at best. And then Q Lamb just throw open the door, share his anger at Nynaeve because she's been alluding she'd return to Tarvalon when she is actually headed to Tanchico. She never clearly told him that. And he's telling her, this is a dangerous city, so I will join you. And she's all, oh, no, you won't. Um, and again, I'm just annoyed because Nynaeve is acting all coy, and Lan is sincerely upset. Like, he's trying to be like, wait a minute, why didn't you tell me about this? Um, and we realize, okay, Maureen actually hasn't given Lan full details either of what the girls are up to. So Nynaeve shows Lan that letter from Suan Sanchez, Sanchez saying, that basically they can do whatever they want under the Amarillo seat's name. And there's a cute joke. She's like, well, at least I didn't command you to dance with me, which previous chapter or previous book was part of a joke too. Yeah. <laughs> more, more dance with this. Yep. Yeah. 
it's a classic movie romance scene where Nynaeve is being a brat and he shuts her up by forcibly making out with her, but she quickly embraces and starts making out back. And again, I just said, this is just unrealistic. Use your communication skills, guys. Um, but come on, you 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 totally want to see that happen. You've you've seen uh, oh, Daniel Henny and, and and Zoe Robbins. I totally want to see this scene happen. Uh, Those two are hot. <laughs> why don't you read Land's narrative? It's a sweet narrative. It starts very bottom of page two seventy, but just to get Land's perspective through all this. So this is from Nynaeve. You have no right. She began in a breathless voice, then t stopped to swallow. I will not be manhandled in that fashion for the whole world to see. I will not. Not the whole world, he replied. But if they can see, they can hear as well. You have made a place in my heart where I thought there was no room for anything else. You have made flowers grow where I cultivated dust and stones. Remember this. On this journey, you insist on making. If you die... I will not survive you long. He gave Nynaeve one of his rare smiles. If it did not exactly soften his face, at least it made it less hard. And remember also, I am not always so easily commanded, even with the letters from the Amerlin. He made an elegant bow. For a moment, Elaine thought he actually meant to kneel and kiss Nynaeve's great serpent ring. As you command, so do I obey. It was difficult to tell whether he meant to be mocking or not. Oh man! And I can only imagine it's Daniel. Art out there. And, and I can only imagine Daniel Henney's reading of that line will be much better than mine. Uh, I don't know, Skeeter. Does it get any better than that little love soliloquy from Land? Well, you're gonna have that. That's gonna be a raffo to a degree, but <laughs> I do love seeing Len express himself that way. The, the, the you know, you've you've uh, some flowers and did all of that where I thought nothing could grow. It was it, it was beautiful. It was poetry. It was yep, wonderful. It did it, it, it made me flutter a little bit. You know, I, I tear up reading that. I, I. <sighs> In the first book and a half to two books, they he spends Robert Jordan spent so much time building land up as like this emotionless, you know, just warrior who has this wall, um, and and that's how how Moraine has always seen him, and it takes these five young people, specifically two young people to really start like breaking through that wall and making him like feel his feelings and care. So every time you get a little bit of a crack from, from land, it's, it's brilliant. And, and this, you get so much and it's just like, Oh, we needed this. Cause land doesn't say a lot. Right. But, well, well interesting side said. note to that. We often complain about how people's issues, especially their relationship issues, could be solved with better communication. That's kind of the theme of these chapters. It's ironic that Len, the stoic warrior who never says a word that he doesn't need to, is the most expressive and emotional person 
in this chapter. He says everything on his mind here. He yep. tells Nynaeve, here's the problem I had with your behavior. Here's what I am willing to do to address it. Like, he's communicating and yeah. working to make this situation better and to solve problems and expressing himself very beautifully again. Yeah, yeah. And like literally nobody else in the whole chapter does that. No, no one else has the the depth or the the uh, ability. I guess I don't know. But um, I actually there was there was a um, I and never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. I also I don't know. I always when when Land said that about the flowers growing where they can't grow. I was. In my mind, it alludes to how Nynaeve taps the power. She has that blackberry flower. I don't know, for some reason, to me, like, that's a thorny. It's coming out of a harsh place. And I bet you it can invade stone. And yeah. I think it is an invasive species in Oregon, just for the record. So, <laughs> so wait, are you saying Nynaeve is an invasive species? Is that, or is that the comparison you're making right there? <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but, okay, so, yeah, land leaves. Then Nynaeve does explain to the girls, not Lan, that she doesn't want him breaking his ultramarine. She wants him to be all hers and not regretting, you know, breaking an oath. So that actually makes sense. It's just another, well, why didn't you tell him that? Um, but it's okay. You're learning. Right. Iguina affirms that, yes, I'm headed, getting ready to go to the Ruidian, basically, with Avienda. Um, and we find out they do have a schedule made for meeting in Teleron Riyadh. So they are going to move forward with that game plan to stay in touch. And at the end, Elaine decides to write Rand a nasty gram, taking a cue from the unhealthy communication pattern she just witnessed. What do you do? And that's how it did, ends. Did we mention earlier that she had already sent him a letter? Okay. I didn't mention it. Yeah, she had sent a letter, and I think it was more of a sappy puppy love letter. It, yes, yes. It was, it was uh, my love for you is undying. I will wait for you type. I mean, that's how I've always they – don't, they don't give us the words within the letter, so we have to come up with it ourselves. And that's what I've come up with. It's like, like, you are the one for me. I will wait for you forever. However far the, you know, our travels take us from each other, we will always be together type shit, right? Um, whereas this one's more like, you motherfucker, you are such <laughs> a dick. I cannot believe you. You have not come to say bye, say bye to me. So I'm just, fuck you forever. I never want to see you again. P.S. Don't think of making out with me. That, that, that. She's actually hoping he'll make out with him. Exactly. So that's how I've always, those, those are the words that I've always put into those two letters, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's like the love letters I got from my girlfriend at 16 and then the hate letters I got from the same person two years later, only compressed into a week. Exactly, it was less than a week, like four days. <laughs> um, awesome. Or maybe uh, that was with the love letters I wrote. Mm. <laughs> right? We were all teenagers. Yeah, right. I don't feel there's too much to comment. I mean, we're just affirming, it's me picking, they're all making their plans and going and apparently file is going with Perrin along with Ball. That's great. And then, you know, Lan's worried about Nynaeve. So for those of us who are loving their romance, at least we got to see a glimpse of it. Yeah. Yeah. But, we, we, we got a little makeout sesh there. That was cool. 
All right, I believe that brings us to our fuck Mary kills. Yeah. I, I I don't have to go first. I don't necessarily have mine. I kind of want to see what everybody else chooses before I choose mine. I've got, you know, category split. Um, I definitely have mine, but Skeeter, I'd love for you to go first if you have some in mind and give you the open categories. <laughs> well, I've got two of mine down. So for me, very specifically, I tried really hard not to pick anybody that was involved in parents' perspective. But if both of you chose to also do that, I can totally roll with <laughs> just putting everybody from parents' perspective. <laughs> no, I was totally a parent perspective. Okay. Okay. Because there's enough perspectives that we cover that I, I, I can I can grab from other places. Right, right. Yeah. See, the only one that I'm questionable on, honestly, is my kill. And I've got lots of open options for that. There's a lot of options for that. <laughs> but 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 I do think I have my fucking my Mary pretty pretty well defined. All right. Well, um, if, I mean, if you don't want to go first. I uh, did, no 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 I did okay so here's what I'm gonna do I will tell you my my Mary and my fuck and uh, circle back to me for my kill how's that sound okay okay sounds good all right so for my fuck the person I want to fuck here is Land's high school poetry teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I was going a little outside of the box because the initial thought was long, but uh, his whoever taught him that poetry, you know, I don't know if it was somebody back from the, his early days in the Borderlands or that came from somewhere. Maybe it was a book he read. I that author, that teacher, that's my that's my fuck because so so basically your fuck is song. is the inspiration for Land's poetic nature. Yeah. I, yeah so. That's awesome. maybe a little bit of an unusual choice to go for a, a theoretical character that we don't even know if exists or not, but I love it. And then for my Mary, I went with the, uh, I'm not sure on the pronunciation of this and I probably ought to know her name, but the Maher, Maher, Maher. Of, of the uh, Stone of Tear, the one that keeps all that together that is a woman that's on top of her shit. I fully support. I work in the service industry. I, that's that's a tough job. Yeah, we got to get this stuff cleaned up because the big bosses are going to come through, and they don't want us to know that there were a bunch of trollocs up in here last night, like yep, spilling blood everywhere and stuff. So she's got the crew hard at work, and and she's managing that stuff well. Well, and think about what a fucking mess that must have been. Like yeah. lightning bolts, like just shooting through the the stone <laughs> exactly if she can put all that together she can help me get my life sorted out and hopefully i bring a little bit back to the table i, I could bring some fun and insight in, into how she runs her life so so that's my mary nice I love Dad, it. You you're so creative yep. no, that it. was that was very out of the box thinking i love it i always try to do out of box thinking but i'm just not that clever yeah 
I'm, I rarely go that direction, so I appreciate it. So mine are more plain Janes, but I'll go ahead and give the fuck to Gall just because he's hot. That would have been my choice too. Yeah, that's come through everyone. You know, it's it's great. Um, Mary loyal. He saved the children. I'd be right up there giving them flowers. I'd probably give him a plant so it'll keep growing because I think he'd appreciate that. Um, but the kill will be Fayil. I just her manipulations. She upped it to a level where it's like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> just. Yep. Just communicate, my dear. And I I know where it's coming from, but it still annoyed me enough that I'm saying goodbye. Go. Yep, that's fair. So so mine were very 100% exactly yours, 100%, except I would do a double kill. Oh. And I would kill both parent file. So that's why I said, like, everybody in that chapter is on my list for a fuck, marry, kill, because I would totally fuck all and totally marry loyal. But... That's why I chose different ones. Okay. I am 100% getting some alien otherworldly loving. And I am (laughs) fucking one of the snaky people. One of the wise ones or one of the guides? Uh, Whoever's whoever's into it. If we want to have an orgy, that's cool too. And I know I'll probably like get all of my emotions eaten on that, but, but. I'm fucking going for it. I'm I, I, hey. otherworldly alien love. I am here for it. Um, for uh, for my Mary, I am marrying Lan. Um, I I I want him to speak poetry to me as well. <laughs> and for my kill. Um, yeah, that one's hard. I, 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 yeah, other than the file and parent, I, do you know what? I, you, you didn't choose. I'll just choose parent. I'm blanking. I didn't, the girls didn't annoy me enough to want to kill them. I'll, I'll, I'll kill parent. He could have, yes, file was being a shit, but he, he could have, acquiesced you know i mean i i get where he's coming from but he still at least communicated better you know so that's where i'll go that seems fair yeah i did all of those made my lists as well on one level or another yep interestingly i did consider the snake people as uh both a fuck and uh, certainly back to my kill, I, I, I'll probably go with uh, one of them, the, the guide probably. The yeah. creepy guy that was like, <gasps> yeah, just breathing on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it made for some interesting comedic moments, but overall, <laughs> I did not want him to be there and did not like, uh, yeah. It, it, it freaks me out pretty much every time. Like, yeah. I might have nightmares tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's specifically why I invited you on for these chapters. To give them nightmares. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I am. I am a demonic fuck like that. But yeah, that's um, fair. <laughs> all right. Well, Skeeter, I. Uh, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what do you do within the community and and how you're yeah, involved? Sure. I mean, I'm mostly just 
bounce around the discords, uh, mod on those and try and help people out and engage in chats and try and facilitate what I can here and there. I do a little bit of artwork. Uh, I have a Instagram that has a couple of things, nothing new for a while, but it's just Instagram skeeterish. Uh, yeah. And otherwise I just hang out, theorize, have cool conversations and enjoy the content that people like you create and try and contribute a little bit back where I can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know, I know that you are, uh, as far as I've been able to tell, you are a very respected and, and much loved member of the community. So and I try. <laughs> well, all right. With, with that. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining Skeeter and for everyone else. Be excellent to each other. And party on dudes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Glee Man's Apprentice. The Glee Man's Apprentice is available on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Our theme song is written by Twitch Avery and performed by Andrew Bard of Time.